Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to Thrive. Amazing uh, having you with us. We had a really cool uh, new people's morning team between services, didn't we? And so we met a whole lot of new people around and it was just such a good time. Hey, on Friday, I um, got to go... Ooh, got to go to a prophetic, or part of a prophetic conference, and uh, these are always interesting environments to go into, and there was a whole lot of prophets sharing for about an hour and a half, Um, they'd done a prophetic uh, round table, and so if if you aren't sure of what prophecy is in that, basically it's a sense of like going, hey God, what are you saying, and what are you declaring over people? And so these guys were doing a prophetic roundtable for New Zealand, believing that, you know, that, that God was going to speak to them about the season that New Zealand is coming into. JT and Rachel, congratulations on getting engaged. <laughs> so good to have you with us today. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, sorry. Uh, anyway, and um, yeah, yeah, prophetic roundtable. So they were getting insight for... Um, what, what was coming over, uh, being set over New Zealand. And so there were all sorts of weird and wonderful and incredible, insightful things said. And some of it is like that, I can relate to that. Some of it goes over my head. Um, but in the, and while one lady's speaking, I said, God, I just, um, I just kind of complaining a bit. I was like, why don't, I'd love to see a vision or, you know, like have a dream or something like that. I have had dreams and visions in the past. And then immediately um, as this lady was, prophesying, I actually saw a picture, and it was me in front of the stage there, and I was walking, then I was running, like jogging, then I was running, and then I just went into a blur, and God just, I just dropped into my spirit that it's time for acceleration, like God's going to bring acceleration to ministry, and, and, uh, and I was like, at that time, I was like, am I actually meant to do a prophetic act now, and then run around the church and get faster and faster? I was like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> and, and, and then what happened was, that's right, the, the next person got up to speak and, and she said, we're coming into a season of acceleration. And I was like, wow, I'm like prophetic for one thing. And God was showing me something. And so I believe that it's a time for us as a church that God is actually bringing around a quickening and acceleration around grace around gifts, around calling, around dreams that you've stewarded, and maybe you've, you've been in a season where it's just been one step after another, and you've been diligent in what you're putting your hand to, but I'm going to believe that God's saying in this hour, He's going to bring an acceleration, so what you've been the, you know, grinding away, God is actually going to start bringing exponential speed and development, a quickening around your grace and your call. So if you're here today... Come on, and you and you feel like that this is a, a you word. This is like this is me. Or you're here today, and you feel like you just need to. You came into the room, and you feel like you just need to shake something off. You just like I, I want to break out of this box that I find myself in, or this mindset that I find myself in, and I want to start accelerating in the grace and the gift that God's called onto my life, I just want you to stand right now, and I want to pray for you. So if that's you, if you're like, I'm going to, oh, it's time to speed up. It's time to speed up. It's time to speed up and see this grace realized and this call realized in my life. And so I'm going to pray for you right now. If that's you, just, yeah, for those standing, lift your hands right now. Holy Spirit, we just thank you right now that we don't walk alone. 
that we don't walk alone, God, that you don't want us just to walk, Lord, at a pace that is just something that only man can do, God, but you have got supernatural speed, quickening, favor, resources around us as a church, around individuals, and I just declare over businesses, over spiritual gifts, insight, wisdom, healing, evangelism, prophecy, I just declare, uh, and into, uh, into souls, Lord, to be saved, God, into evangelism, God, right now, we just take a hold of this in Jesus' name, and we just say, yes, we agree with your grace, with man it's impossible, but with God, all things are co- possible, and let, let it be, speed up, speed up, Jesus, speed me up, Jesus, <laughs> in Jesus' name, amen, <laughs> amen, amen, amen. Yeah, come on. We are we're body, soul, and spirit, and so we're going to take that kind of moment to go. This is a spirit transaction right now. And if you're visiting with us today, um, and you think that we're slightly crazy, it's true. Um, thanks, babe. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Hey, yeah. Awesome. So good to have you all here this morning. Thanks for being at church. Church would not be the amazing place it is without each and every one of you. So great to have you here. Now, we're talking this morning all about family business here. Um, You know, we love family. Glenn and I love family. We love you guys. We love our um, immediate family as well. We really enjoy doing family dinners together. We love family holidays, which we actually call family adventures because everyone who's a parent knows that there's not much holidaying in a family holiday. So those of you who are yet to find it out, just enjoy your holidays now. Um, We love family movie nights. We love walks and just adventuring together. And um, with our extended family as well, dinners and celebrations where we gather all together. And one of the main places that we come together regularly is around the dinner table. And this is a great place where we can set aside distractions, where we can just be present with each other. We can share the wins of the day. We can maybe share the issues of the day. We can maybe problem solve together, come up with good solutions. So dinner table is a great place. Um, Ronald Reagan said this great quote, all great change in America begins at the dinner table. Let's just change that around a, a bit. All great change in society happens around the dinner table as we come together. Right now in this moment, it would be amazing if we could sit around the dinner table with you and have a big chat, but we can't quite do that. There's a few too many people in the room, but we can share some food together and we can have a chat. So um, host team, if we can just have you come and grab those baskets, it'd be awesome. They're just up the front. Sorry, no, Jared, there's no cheeseburgers in there. They would have been all, you know, cold and, you know, health and safety, all that sort of thing. So if you can just pass those around. And as you get one of these baskets, just take something from inside. If you dig down deep, you might find something healthy in there. I think there's a few apples floating around. Just have a wee look. Find something that you might like. And you'll notice there's all sorts of different things in there. If you dig down really deep, you'll notice there's lots of different things in there. And the reason for that is because you all have different tastes. You all like different things. Some of you might like the healthy stuff. Some of you might like the sweet stuff. Some of you might like the salty stuff. But just help yourself. Now, we've got different things in there because we're all different. The person sitting next to you is going to want to eat something different than what you're eating right now. 
it's the same in our family, actually, sitting down at the dinner table. Last night was a good example. We ate something that I love and that Abby loves a lot. This is kudai paneer. Anybody with me on kudai paneer? Oh, yeah, cool. It's the best. Anyway, so we were eating that last night, and we have people that love it and people that are okay with it and people that were like, nah, eh, eh. Somebody that actually went to the fridge and found some leftovers as well, so they didn't have to eat at all. So when we sit down as a family, there's things that we love on our plates, Avery, and things that we don't like. But there's always going to be hopefully something we like. And it's in the same in our day-to-day life in our family. We're all so diverse. We have different likes and dislikes. We have different personalities. We have different opinions. And in our family, I don't know what yours is like, but in our family, this might mean that our family doesn't always look so incredibly harmonious. And there can actually be times in our family, if I'm being really honest, where maybe some family members don't like each other quite so much in that moment, but that doesn't stop us loving each other. And the same can be said for our church family. We're all so different, so many different people. Have a look around. There's just so much diversity in the room. You guys are beautiful, but there's so many differences. It's wonderful. Um, Different personalities in the room as well as different looks, different opinions. Family life in this church as well may not always look so sweet and lovely either. And sometimes people might even annoy us a little bit. But that doesn't stop us from being family. So what makes our church family? I believe it is the fact that God has brought each person here. He has brought us together. He's put us together in this place as family. It's his design. And secondly, he loved us first so that then we can love each other. It's awesome. Now, I just want to read a little part of the declaration that we um, prayed over you guys last week. There's a little bit to relate to today. We see a people who love deeply and who are loved completely. A people standing shoulder to shoulder, heart to heart, as one. A mighty army, equipped and ready, fearless, taking back all the ground the enemy has stolen. Yeah, if you agree, yeah, say amen. Yeah, amen. So we are a family who love each other on purpose. We love each other and we love each other with purpose. Last week we talked about this year's vision. We talked about um, personally for each one of us dreaming again, reimagining what God has for us. We talked about believing together again for the 10,000 that we want to see impacted by the love of Jesus. Um, We talked about this church being light and being salt into our region and alongside of that with Jesus as our true north. We're called to do all of this, every single part of this, whether it's personally or whether it's the stuff together for our church, we're called to do it within the context of family, not in isolation, but in family. Our heart for Thrive is that this church will be known by its love for one another. Yeah, Lisa's a a big part of this, and Lisa, you do this so well. You're awesome. When Glenn and I um, stepped into the role of senior leadership um, very nearly five years ago, God gave us this verse so strongly, um, and it's become the foundation of our church. And most of you who have been in, in this church at least for a few months will have heard us say this from Ephesians 3. I pray, this is the words of Paul, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all God's saints to grasp how high and wide and deep is the love of God and to know this love. And it goes on. 
It's together that we actually can start to grasp the magnitude of his love. He loves us first and that impacts us. And then out of that, we love each other. But it's as we come together that we can see the fullness of his love being expressed to a bigger way. Now, from this incredible verse in Ephesians 3 comes the first two mission statements that we have at Thrive. The first one being to belong and the second one being to be loved. So this morning, we want to focus on belong. The word belong to us at Thrive says, this is my family. You guys are my family. It says, I fit here. I am a part of this. I'm valuable here. I have a place. Now, Glenn recently shared a wee story with me about somebody that um, had been coming to Thrive for about a year and a half. And um, just recently, they gave their life to Christ, which is awesome. Um, and they, but they came to Glenn and they apologized for not being ready to um, step into that relationship with Jesus sooner. But Glenn reassured that person that for us, this was a real win because it's super important to us that people don't feel sidelined, that they don't feel left out um, of community if they haven't had that revelation of Jesus Christ right yet. You know, we are absolutely about and we're absolutely okay with belonging before believing. So good. Isn't she amazing? She really is. Um, yeah, so this morning we're, we're calling this Better Together and uh, not Bitter Together. And if you are in a relationship that you uh, feel like there's more bitter than better, then there's hope for you today. There really is. And um, what happened in the, the New Testament is that the believers in Jesus discovered that there could be this incredible uh, community sense that they had never had never uh, experienced before, and we see this in the book of Acts in Acts two. Two. This is the the fifth book of the New Testament, where the church is just standing on its feet, and there's so much incredible things that happen because Jesus came into the mix of community. And so we're just going to look at three kind of biblical community snapshots this morning from Acts uh, chapter 2, starting at verse 42. And it says this, it says, um, and this is from the Passion Translation, it says, every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. All the believers were in fellowship as one body, and they shared with one another whatever they had. Out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. Isn't that an incredible community? I'd like to be a part of that, uh, especially if someone, you know, really wealthy was in that community. I'd be like, <laughs> that'd be amazing. Uh, no, no, the, a first snapshot this morning is that biblical community is a connected community. Very simple, but a biblical community is a connected community. It's a praying community. It's a community that knows one another's needs. It's a community that doesn't, um, it doesn't value disconnection, but values connection and will preserve connection. When there's disconnection, they're like, how can I, how can I raise up this valley? How can I reconnect with this person. And I remember I had uh, my ver very first um, 
experience with biblical community was when I was 13 years old, and I hadn't um, ever experienced something like this before, but I got invited along to a youth group, and I went to a camp, and there were, you know, 15-year-olds looking after a 13-year-old, and there were people who would pick me up, you know, drive around to my house and, and take me somewhere just because they felt like that they were on mission, that they were doing something for Jesus, and they wanted to express this kind of love into my life. And as a 13-year-old, this put a, a profound impact actually on my heart. I, I'd never experienced anything like this before, that I was valuable, uh, you know, outside my own family dynamics, and I was valuable. And, and later on, I became a youth pastor here uh, for about 14 years. And, and the blueprint of what we were doing was so connected with that experience that I had. I wanted every young person to come into this place and experience authentic, genuine connection and love. Uh, you know, like that amazing song we sang, we, we, we essentially were saying that God meets us, love meets us as is where is. And no matter what our history is or anything like that. And so that's very much... Um, what I think this biblical community was all about, they were just like, let's just love people because love essentially is our greatest value. And, and it says in the scripture that they were mutually linked to one another. And other, other translations, or actually this translation says this further down, it says that they, uh, that they were devoted to fellowship with one another. And fellowship is a really interesting word. It's kind of like an old school Christian word. If uh, you know, like, you know, you'd, you'd, after church, you would make sure you had your tea and your scones and you would have fellowship in that time. And, and, and so it's, it does sound like a good thing, doesn't it? And, and so, yeah, come on. Okay, who wants to start baking us some scones with jam and cream? All right. I see that hand down there. There we go. We've got, we got scones next week. Woo! Fellowship. This is, we're all about fellowship now. This is great. <laughs> but this, is, this word is actually an attempted translation at a Greek word. And the Greek word is koinonia. And it's a really interesting word. There's actually no other English equivalent to this Greek word koinonia. And fellowship was the best that the English language could do to come up with this word. And it, but it depicts this interactive relationship between one another and Christ's followers. So Christ is actually in the center and in the middle of the community that we have. Essentially, this community uh, that we have, as Jared so beautifully put this morning, is this expression of God's heart for one another. And uh, that's what he's calling us to have. Do we have any surfers in the room? Like not internet surfers, but real surfers. We've got JT here. Uh, he, he's a surfer, and that's, that's amazing. And I... I I'm not a surfer, but I do like watching surf, and, and um, I, yeah, long story short, I thought I was going to die one day when I got barreled in a kayak in the surf. Anyway, another story. Uh, yeah, overcome that fear? That's right. I will do that. Um, so, but if you're a surfer, generally, like, you need three things. Three things are essential. You need a surfer. Mm -hmm. You need a surfboard, and you need a wave. And some togs, too. That would be helpful, or a wetsuit. But the three things, you can surf naked if you really want to. <laughs> but if a surfer took his surfboard to the beach and just looked at the waves and went home, we would kind of wonder 
why they bothered. Why do you bother going to the beach with your surfboard? You had that there. That was, that was fit for purpose. You were meant to get amongst the waves. And I think it's actually, it could be a similar picture for Christians who carry Jesus with them and, 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 and attend church, but actually don't know how to or just have decided not to uh, immerse themselves into a dimension of community within that church family. See, koinonia is an activated connection. It's, it goes to the beach, it looks for the waves, and then goes surfing. It gets amongst the whole three dimensions, myself, my brother, and Jesus. We're all in this together. And so it, it, koinonia transitions us from being spectators uh, into one another's lives. And if you come along to church on Sundays, we celebrate that. And Sundays is such a wonderful meal table almost experience where we actually, you know, we feed together, we, we worship together, and we celebrate kingdom together. But in church, we're, we're sitting in rows, we're shoulder to shoulder. But koinonia it, sort of, it, it can't be done on, all on a Sunday. It's got to be done outside of the Sunday context where we go from rows to circles, where we're looking you know, at each other in the eyes, and, we, we're, and it's heart-to-heart, not just shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder kind of relationships and expression. And so Koinonia gets us connected to one another's worlds. And as, as in the book of Acts, where they, you know, they shared spiritual blessings, they, they empowered each other, and they, they displayed these radical acts of generosity. So koinonia has this dynamic relationship connection. That's what fellowship and connection is all about. Thanks, Debbie. Very cool word, koinonia. Now, as we're uh, in Quinonia, as we're in connection, though there's a, a whole lot of differences that happen between people there too. Like we talked about different values, different personalities, different ways of doing things. With that, there's also the potential for misunderstandings, for disagreements. But with all of this diversity, we have this amazing opportunity, I think, to grow and change in ways that we otherwise wouldn't have. Now, if we're only mixing with the same sort of person, we're not going to keep growing um, are we? So if we kind of come together with people that are so diverse, we will grow together. So difference is beautiful. But yeah, let's not allow the differences or the, or the misunderstandings to stop us from connecting. Let's not let anything come between us and connection. Today, are you happy with your level of quinonia? And if you can identify, though, with feeling disconnected, if you are feeling like, oh, I don't know if I really do quite fit, then today is a good day for you to make a decision to do something about it and to step towards connection. What are you prepared to do to have this level of connection in your life? Danny Silk, amazing man. Um, he wrote this book called Keep Your Love On, which if you haven't read it, highly recommend it. Um, and he has this quote in here, which you would have, most of you would have heard us say this before. If you want to cast out all fear in your relationships, then you need to leave no room for doubt in people's hearts and minds that you truly love them. That looks like doing something to show that you love others. It looks like being intentional. Love in action. At times it looks like courageous conversations as well. This kind of relationship looks like the goal of it being love 
and connection. That is the greatest goal. So in the context of our True North theme, that is the theme for the year, the best portion of Scripture that I think could give us the direction for this is 1 Corinthians 13. Amazing passage of Scripture. I'm just going to pick out um, verse 4, though. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. Simple verse in some ways, but so much in that. Before anything else, love. Love needs to be our motivating factor. And I really like that word in there, consistent. Consistent is a cool word. And sometimes the greatest love that we can show is actually just by being consistent in someone's world, just by continuing to move towards them, even when we might not be getting much back or when they might be hurting us, just continuing to be kind. But let's take this a step further too. Christ-centered love responds as Christ did. It's more than just kindness. It's more than just covering and forgiving. It's declaring something like this. I believe that you are so valuable that I must respond to you, not only by supporting you in your place of need, but I must also empower your dreams. That's a big kind of love right there, isn't it? This is a love that's big enough to push other people into their dreams, to their God-given dreams, even when that might mean that they might end up going further than we will or going higher than we will. But let's be the kind of people who wholeheartedly can celebrate other people's successes, other people's wins. So a biblical community is a connected community. Awesome. Acts 2.46 says this, Daily they met together in temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. Snapshot two is that biblical community celebrates Christ together. And the word communion in the scripture is actually the same Greek word koinonia. Um, communion is this demonstration of this oneness that we share together in Christ. And if I was to pour out uh, from one cup into or one jar uh, a communion uh, right now as a demonstration into two different glasses, it would be, you know, that same bottle into separate cups, but that same source, that same life flow, and in the same way the bread, when it's taken from one loaf, and we were to hand that around the whole room, that the essentially we are eating from the same source, and we're celebrating community from the same place, that oneness that we have in Christ, and that love that Christ has for us is designed to flow and, and fill, our, fill our hearts with the essence of who He is. So that we would have communion with one another and with Christ. It's an amazing illustration. And so this bread, it's, it's this assimilation, I guess, of Christ's body into us. And it's not just, it's not a religious practice. It's an expression and demonstration of His great love for us going to the cross. But then it becomes our expression of His great love for us flowing through us to others because Jesus is he's he is the glue for this community <laughs> he's the well for this community he's the rock that we all stand on he is the one and he wants us to know the blessing of dwelling together in unity 
and in agreement, in covenant relationships with one another. Amos 3, 3 says this, and this it's very basic, but it says, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? There's power in agreement. There is power in the agreements and alignments that you have around your life. And let me say this, that to fulfill the destiny that God has for your life and the call and the graces that He has assigned for you, it's going to take some divine connection and divine alignments and agreement with other people. There are connections for you to have that are going to empower your destiny into this community. And like when I think of Jared and and us and, and Rowanna, and you know, we have got we've got a divine alignment. We have got an agreement and a flow of heart for one another, and we honor each other's gifts and callings and graces. And man, this guy's like a brother in my world. Like hey, he, we stand together. And if there's anything that we don't understand around what 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 did you what did tell me tell me about what you meant when you said that? Help me understand where you're coming from because we want to treasure our agreement and make sure that that nothing could come between us as we seek to you know take the kingdom as we seek to advance the gospel, each one of us knowing that we can't do this alone. And if you read the Bible, the Bible is full of stories of covenant relationships, of, of, um, of Jonathan and his armor bearer who went up and did the impossible because they had a covenant connection. They had a connection where they agreed. When you think of the 12 disciples, there was covenant relationship and agreement where the early church was established through these guys. It wasn't one person. The church became mighty and a powerful demonstration of the love of Christ because together, together they dwelt in one place, in one accord, with one heart. They prayed and the Holy Spirit came like a rushing wind and Pentecost happened, you know, and, and tongues of fire appeared and then they preached the gospel and thousands, like 3,000 were added to their number that day because they came together in agreement. There's a tragic story of a misalignment almost, or a misagreement in, in Judges chapter 2. It's a sad chapter, and, and this involves Joshua. And we know, you know, Joshua's career was incredible. He was a servant to Moses, and then he went into the promised land, and he, and he went and saw the promises, and he thought, you know, God's in this. And he took a nation eventually, 40 years later, into the promised land, and they went and they spent, um, maybe years it was, anyway, they possessing the land. You know, it, was, it didn't happen in a day. And they took all this time to acquire God's promises to their world. But it says this in, in, um, in, in Judges chapter 2, verse 8, it says, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And, and do you think that, that the move of God should have died there? Do you think? Uh, but what happened was, in, in verse 10, was that after that, a whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Essentially, he raised up a sterile generation. He raised up a generation that had no alignment with the future that Joshua was seeing for the people that he was leading. And we're called to create alignments that go beyond just our generation. 
We're called to create agreements and alignments that last for our children's children, to our great-grandchildren, like the connections that you have today, the people that you're praying with for your children, your family, your situation, your career. These are divine connections that are going to actually plant seeds in the generations to come. So we need to be a church that treasure the value of one another, of loving one another, of serving one another, of being devoted to one another, all under Christ. God places us where He wants to align us. And man, I just want to, I just, you know, if you've made excuses in your heart, why you just struggle to get into community, why you find it hard to get into unity with people, and maybe that's come through hurt, maybe that's through insecurity, and I've got insecurities, man. I really do, man. It's, we love talking about this church. It sounds so wonderful, doesn't it? Family, joy, peace, love, diversity, all that. But man, church is the perfect breeding ground for insecurity. <laughs> when we start comparing each other with each other and that sort of thing, the Bible says it's not wise to compare yourselves with another. But don't let insecurities stop you from developing incredible life friendships uh, that, that are waiting there for you. Um, Acts 2 says this, they were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And I believe for this church that we're coming into a season of favor. Come on, not just in this church, but outside of the the box, outside of it. This is the Monday church. This is the Tuesday church. This is with your neighbors, with the business community, with your work colleagues. I believe that we're coming into great favor. And it says, and the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life. You know, the snapshot three, the third snapshot this morning is that biblical community is attractive. It's attractive. The goodness of God revealed in our lives, made manifest in our lives. People noticed his favor. People will notice the change. People will notice the grace that you bring to the environment that you're called to. People will notice the light that you shine in the dark place. That is attractive. You are attractive. Turn to your neighbor and just tell them, man, you're good looking today, and especially tomorrow. (laughs) Uh, Biblical community exists not for its own sake, but for the sake of others and for the the region that it is located. And we are here we're here because God's called us. He's a, and if you're a part of Thrive Family, we, and you don't know this, you're valuable. Yeah. You're so treasured in our heart, and we want to celebrate yeah. your life. We, want, yeah. we don't want to ever overlook you. We don't want to, look. if I ever walk past you and you think, oh, you never notice me, I'm sorry. I don't mean to. It might have been an accident. I want to see every single one of you and, mm-hmm. and you know, just be, be yeah. present in yeah. celebrating your victories. I know it's not possible, but just know that that is our heart for this church. We want to champion you and and, and cheer you on in, in your life's journey. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. I agree. Absolutely. We love you guys. This is an amazing church, and we're looking forward to continuing to see what God does in each one of your lives and just in this church as a whole. It's exciting. Remember, maybe about two years into our senior pastoring, God just really said to me that what we're about um, as, as senior leaders is about seeing you guys um, fulfill your dreams, is about pushing you guys to, to do everything that God's called you to be, being your number one encouragers, and we want to do that. So how can we be involved in this sort of um, biblical community? 
So Sundays, as you can see, we're sitting in rows. Um, we're kind of sitting shoulder to shoulder. Um, some of you are a little bit cosier and maybe a little bit closer than that. Um, but it's in life groups that we can really, um, you know, we're sitting in a circle um, and we can actually be more heart to heart. It's there that we can do life together. It's we can do the journey together. Um, Kerry Harris, you can stand up. But for those of you who can't see you very well, we also have a very beautiful photo of you there. Kerry is amazing, um, and she's just come on to our staff in a voluntary roller day a week for us, and we are just so blessed to have you there, Kerry. Um, one of the things that Kerry has stepped into is our life group administrator role, and that is very much about empowering our life group leaders, giving resources to them, but it's also about getting those of you who are not into life groups, helping you to connect into a life group. So remember that face, talk to Kerry um, if you want to know more about life groups. So next step, if you aren't in a life group, get into a life group. Can't stress that enough. Life groups are where we actually get to do life together. So join one. Um, if you're in a life group, but you're still looking for more connection, then just be asking God, who can I be looking out for? Um, how can I help others to belong? And if you're feeling maybe a bit isolated today, or just, you know, like you don't quite fit, just be courageous. Have a conversation with somebody you trust and ask them to help you with that. Ask them to help you on the journey and help you get connected in. So first step, talk to somebody if you need to. Second step, join a life group. So we have some groups already happening and a, a number of other ones that are about to happen or that we want to see happen. Um, groups for men only, groups for women only, groups for both, groups that happen at nighttime, groups that happen in the daytime. Um, as the year goes on, we want to see groups that do a marriage course for a while or maybe do a parenting course for a while or just some sort of life skill thing for a while. Um, yeah, lots happening in life groups this year, and we really encourage you to be part of that. Um, let's just check out the screen. We've just got a short video to show you. So good. Hey, if you're a life group leader, can you just stand up right now? We just want to honor you. Go on. Awesome. So good. Let's just put our hands together for our life group leaders. That's awesome. We really appreciate the incredible work that you do. And um, yeah, we couldn't be carrying this church without you guys. Um, not that we're carrying the church, but you know, we need pastoral care to happen without, well, throughout uh, our church community. And it happens through life groups. And we have about, is it about 12 life groups in our church? Oh, we have 10 plus some youth ones. You know, we have um, around 300 adults in our church congregation that are active members, and that is after a thorough database cleaning. Uh, and so that's really awesome. But we only have 10 life groups. And so we, you know, if we were doing the stats, we should have closer to 30 life groups, uh, believe it or not, so that every 10 people were actually connected with a life group family. And um, I say that because I want to call some people out today. If you have a desire to create community in your own home, host a life group, lead a life group, do a little bit of both, we would love to empower you, support you on your way to becoming a life group leader and a key hub in our church community, uh, community demonstrating that koinonia kind of love. And I love what Nikki said very deeply. She said, I just needed to get over myself and just 
have a go. <laughs> and if you're today and you're like, I just need to have a go, you're not going to do that by yourself. We really want to like help you along the way. We've obviously got Kerry, who's going to be a key support in resourcing you uh, with different content for your life group, um, for, your, for your gathering times as life group. And it's only every second week as well here at Thrive. So this church, it's about community. It's about belonging. It's about knowing the love of God and releasing the love of God. And so if you're here today and you're like, I want to get in touch with the community, make sure that you go sign up at our Life Group sign-up station out the back today. Or if you're interested in becoming a Life Group leader, either come and see Deb and myself, Kerry, or you could sign up and just say, keen to be a leader, uh, and we will get in touch with you. Awesome. How about everybody stand to their feet right now? We want to just uh, finish this Sunday as well, just um, without without leaving this place, without actually giving an opportunity for one person here today to make a connection with Jesus Christ. He is the reason for the church, and he says that he will build his church. And if you're here today and you just have like, whoa, you're just kind of feeling a little overwhelmed with what this church is all about, then that we understand that as well. But I want to tell you that Jesus Christ knew you before you were created. The Bible says that he's put eternity in your heart. And you're not just a random piece of, you know, green scum that crawled out of a pond 3, 3 million years ago and, you know, grew hairy armpits and became a truck driver. You, there's nothing accidental about you being on this planet. Jesus loves you. You're created for purpose and destiny. And Around 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came into this planet. He came to this earth, God's Son, that He sent to this earth. The Bible says that so that He would die so that we could have life. He went to the cross. He took all our sickness, all our sin, all our brokenness, our emptiness, the bad stuff that was done to us and the bad stuff we did, and He died. He took that for you so that we wouldn't (coughs) come under the judgment and the condemnation of that, that we could go free as he rose from the dead three days later. And he wants you to know grace, his amazing grace for your life. He doesn't want you to become religious and boring. He wants to bless you with a life that is full of his love and goodness. Come on. So today, stepping into that kind of relationship just requires a step of faith. It just requires an inner heart. You know, we all have an inner voice, and it's a place where we go, Jesus, I want to surrender my, my heart to you. I want to surrender my life to you. I want to surrender, and that means I want to follow you. I want to follow you with all my life. And so if you're here today and you're like, I'm ready to make that kind of decision. This just got radical, and this just got real. <laughs> I just wonder if today is your day to take that step of faith. Just so with every eye closed and every...